0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome you into America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula at America's Medicare Associates with Nolan Baker and Chaz Price. 419 794 3030 is the phone number. That's 419 794 3030 online, ARHQ.com. My name is Chris Vaughn. Today on the show, is it time to shake up the makeup of your retirement portfolio, what you should say no to in retirement, and what those who are approaching retirement can learn from younger investors? All this and more, but first, uh, long-time listeners of the show will know that America's Retirement Headquarters is a veteran-owned business, and so today being Veterans Day, I want to wish all the veterans out there uh, a happy Veterans Day. Thank you so much for your service, uh, and of course, it is uh, founded by a veteran himself, Nolan uh, Baker. Nolan, thank you for your service. As always, happy Veterans Day to you. How are you guys doing today? Well,
1: doing great. Yeah, today is uh, not only a special day because Veterans Day, it's also my son's birthday, mm. so... Uh, I think Texas Roadhouse is his point and choice for Jenner tonight. So, Sounds good. Yeah, he likes uh, all the great steaks and good food. But I uh, also want to send my thanks to all the veterans that are out there. So excited uh, to continue on and keep America great. Yeah, uh, and thank
2: you, Nolan, for your service, and uh, also to all of our veterans out there. Um, it's good for me to be back on the show, Chris. Mm-hmm. It's been a yeah, while, it been is. a couple weeks. Um, so coming off the bench today for Scott, <laughs> so I can hopefully hit a couple... Proverbial threes and uh, keep our listeners entertained and and educated. So, looking forward to it. That's what
0: it's all about the education, the empowerment. Appreciate you guys taking time out of your schedules as always to uh, spend with the listeners here. Let's start with talking about something that we've heard a lot lately uh, when it comes to the stock market that is the word correction. And however you slice it, it never really sounds good. But I have to wonder what is a correction? Are we in one, and is there anything positive that we can do you know, in the meantime when it comes to our retirement portfolio, and, and also how long do these corrections typically last?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about the last couple of months, I mean, from July to the end of October, um, the market did really start to have kind of a big pullback, and we saw kind of a pullback across the board in, in all the markets. And so when we look at it you know, technically in terms of a correction, we have that. I recently had some folks that had come in. They came out to one of our uh, recent events, and um, Steve and Linda, if you are looking at their situation, you know, one of the things that they came in was to take advantage to get a second opinion, and looking at the portfolio, they were concerned because uh, they had about a $65,000 drop in their portfolio recently, and were worried because... Um, they had saw what was happening into the stock market. To me, I think one of the big takeaways here about market corrections is, you know, like in Stephen Linda's situation, they did not have what is called an investment policy statement in place, meaning that there was not really a, a discussion about what could and will happen if and when the stock market goes down. Because, you know, whether it's a, in stock market portfolio with our firm, another firm, you know, at any given point within money in the stock market, there's going to be times that the market goes up and down. But I think it's important to have that investment policy statement, to have those clear communications. So you know what's going to happen 95% of the time. You know what the strategies are when things that are the other 5% of the time, like when COVID happened or 9-11 or, you know, major market downturns. So to me, if, if you, Are looking at your portfolio and you've been worried about the last couple of months with the market downturn and you don't have an investment policy statement, you don't know what the normal drawdowns are in the market and or if the market has a major sell-off furthermore than this correction you know, how much your portfolio is at risk. I think that's one of the things that our office can help you with. We can take your information, we can put it into our software and provide you a specific printout that'll show you 95% of the time during normal market conditions. This is what the experience could look like based upon the way that your portfolio is allocated. And then if it's not allocated and you don't feel comfortable with the amount of level of risk, now's the time uh, to take a you know, look at maybe reallocating the portfolio, you know, so far in the month of November here, uh, you know, the market's bounced back pretty strong here recently. So, you know, markets are uh, a normal part of having corrections. They go up and down, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. It's they they go hand in hand. They're married. Right. And so um, a a correction uh, of 10 percent, I think, as we're preparing for the show today is not uncommon. I mean, 50 percent of the time, the market's going to go down 10 percent or more in uh any given year and so i think the big thing the the big thing to take away nolan is that corrections are temporary so if and and we've had a a lot of phone calls and, and to be honest we've had some um some clients reaching not clients but prospective clients really reaching out to wonder um what that if this is a normal market if we're in a correction and my response has been well you know, again, what does that investment policy statement investment policy say? And what are the what are the odds that you would go down more than ten or fifteen percent? And so, you're you're right. That investment policy statement is the document that um, kind of dispels out what what our um, our our hopes and our opportunities are, and some of the threats when it comes to your investment portfolio. Uh, because yeah, there there are a lot of uh, times when the market is down according to some research that we have, the S&P 500 experienced 39 corrections of more than 10% since 1950, with the average decline being about 13.7%. And it lasted about six months. And so, you know, when you look at a client that maybe is down 10%, if you just looked at the averages, you might say, yeah, they're actually doing pretty good, you know. So you, you do. You definitely need to have uh, an understanding and to me, that's where, that's where the educational component comes in to what we do, Nolan, is, is we, we have to be educators um, so that you know what you have and, most importantly, why you have it. We don't expect you to be um, you know, investment gurus by the time you leave the office, but we at least want you to have some idea of, of what you own and what the, what, what the potential is for that investment because that's what's going to help you make those average rates of return a reality. Because the market doesn't go up, you know, straight up. It goes up and it goes down, and you have to have volatility to have performance. And so it's like you're married to the volatility if you're in the market. Imagine not knowing who your spouse was, who you're going to marry. It's the same thing with the investments. You expect to be in that investment
1: uh, for a long period of time, so you better know who you're getting married to, you know. Yeah, my wife likes that show, Married at First Sight, but I think when it comes to your <laughs> retirement, it may not be the strategy to go with. You know, when you're looking at marriage and you're thinking about investing as, in those terms, I mean, it's, like you said, good communication. It's about understanding the plan. It's about understanding that not every day is going to be sunny on Wall Street. But the flipping of the scale can be, you know, these bad days when the market has a sell-off like it has for a couple of months. Volatility creates opportunity. Mm-hmm. I also met with another gentleman recently, and we talked about the pullback of the market. He had some money on the sidelines. And so, you know, this gave him an opportunity to be able to enter into the market after a pullback. You know, his concern was, well, you know, with what's going on right now, I probably don't feel good investing until uh, after the election, you know. But if we looked at it and we talked about all the reasons why not to invest, you know, there's always a reason not to invest. There's so many reasons why that can be a costly mistake. So, again, You know, whether you're looking for opportunity or whether you're concerned about how bad things can get, our office is more than happy for you as a radio show listener, whether you're a client or not, call us up. We'll put together an investment policy statement for you and we'll help communicate to you how not only to survive, but thrive in this type of environment and how to turn what could be a panic situation into an opportunity for you. It's all by being able to take control of what you
0: can, being able to maybe remove some of the emotional attachment you see when the markets fluctuate. That is what a proper plan can do for you. And you can take advantage of that offer, as Nolan said, by giving a call right now, 419-794-3030. You can also go to the website as well, arhq.com. Forbes says that Magic Johnson is worth $1.2 billion at age 64. He's actually the fourth athlete to cross the billion-dollar threshold, joining fellow NBA stars Michael Jordan, LeBron James, also golfer Tiger Woods. But get this, only $40 million comes from his time on the basketball court. Turns out he's also an MVP when it comes to investing. He has made uh, the bulk of his, his worth on uh, putting money into sports teams, Starbucks, movie theaters, Burger Kings, 24-Hour Fitness, and his controlling stake in an Iowa-based life insurance company. So it, it goes to show an, it's another great reminder of the power of having multiple streams of income. How do we go about doing that? How can we find something similar, you know, even though we don't have a, a Hall of Fame NBA career behind us?
1: Well, I mean, if we look at it, uh, none of us really have the $1.2 billion that Magic Johnson does, but yeah. we absolutely can learn and take away a lot from you know, what he's been able to do. You know, For me personally, when I first moved here to Toledo, Ohio, my wife and I, we bought uh, a house over on Hoyles Avenue. We bought a duplex. We rented half of it and lived in the other half, and we got the income stream from that rental property and used it to pay our mortgage. They ended up buying that property for sixty thousand dollars years later when we moved into our second house, sold the property for ninety-six thousand dollars. And so, you know, if you think about it and you think about rental property, Chaz, you and I had a little bit of a conversation about this. I think that's some of the ways that people need to start looking at their financial assets. They need to look at it like rental property, like how I got rental income from that property. Uh, I own a, a commercial piece of real estate here uh, in Arrowhead Park, America's, America's Retirement Headquarters. You know, we get rental income from our tenants. Uh, we work with a lot of farmers; they get you know income from their property. When you're talking to people about income, you know, sometimes the word yield, which is what we use in Wall Street terms, you know, doesn't always. Uh, makes sense when an investor is thinking about their their stock market part of their portfolio. But how do you explain, you know, developing the multiple streams of income when you you know somebody's looking at their retirement accounts? Well, when you think about it, there's
2: only two things, in my opinion, that work. It's either you or your money. And so, the the concept of yield, uh, to me, deals with what am I getting in exchange for what am I investing? You know, what on on an annual basis, what sort of income can I expect from this investment? And there are different types of uh, investments. Some are higher yielding, some are lower yielding, but essentially it's what you're able to glean from this investment. So think about like you you talked about a, a, a rental property. Your yield in that case is the rent that you're getting. And depending on you know how aggressive, or I should say, how likely it is that the person you're renting to is going to pay you rent is going to probably have some uh, implication on how much rent you're going to charge them. You know, so if you're you know a little bit nervous, uh, maybe the person is frequently out of work, um, a little bit more um, you know risky job or or something like that that they're in, you may require a little bit maybe a lower credit score. I know a lot of renters sometimes uh, they have to give a credit score, but you know, maybe that's going to indicate that you probably want to charge this renter a little bit more money because it's uh, more of a, a risk to you as the, the landlord that you're not going to get your rent. And, you know, conversely, if it's maybe a little old lady receives social security, the money's directly deposited right onto your right into your checking account, probably not a whole lot of risk there. And so you could feel free, feel comfortable charging maybe them a little bit lower income. So that's part of the, the conversation on the investment side that we have with our clients is we're going to look under the hood. We're going to look at your investments. We're going to see what sort of rent are you getting, but who are you renting to? Are you renting to what we would refer to as a high yield customer? Like, um, you know, in the 80s, we referred to them as junk grade bonds. Now they're higher yield. But it just indicates to you as an investor that there's some potential risk there, Um you know, there's a potential maybe for uh, a lower potential for default in that case. And in exchange for that, you're getting a higher income. You know, that's actually a good, pretty good opportunity right now. We're seeing some high yield spaces. Um, We look to see what the yield is over and above what we can get on a treasury. So a a U.S. treasury bond, Nolan, as you know, is, you know, considered the safe haven of the world. There's not a whole lot of risk there that the government is going to default on debt. Um, But, you know, it's still possible, but we still consider that to be a risk-free rate. Um, What amount of money are we going to get on an annual basis to entice us to invest in something other than a risk-free rate? And those are what we would refer to as higher-yielding bonds. And we can help our clients determine what their yield is, what their, you know, who they're investing in. uh, Is it government bonds? And uh even more so is there a better opportunity is it a, an opportunity to get you know 6 7% 8% interest possibly on a higher yielding bond what's the risk you know that we're going to continue to receive that income uh and is it worth it to us in our investment strategy to to take that risk and those are some of the questions that we help answer
1: you know really if you look at magic johnson it comes down You know, to the power of multiple streams of income comes down to diversification. You know, he didn't have all his eggs in one basket. You know, he was diversified between the stock and bond market and investments outside of there. Um, I can think of an example of somebody who we recently met with, you know, John. And in John's case, he had about a $360,000 portfolio. He's retired at the age of 70. He had most of his money in a traditional fixed account. Um, He's taken $2,000 a month from his investments. The fixed part of his portfolio was paying 1.8%, and that was the rate that he had got several years ago. And you know, quite frankly, 1.8% wasn't bad several years ago. In fact, it wasn't bad two years ago ago. or a year ago. It wasn't until recently that rates had dramatically increased. But when we did the portfolio analysis for him, what we were able to do is able to show him how he could take that 1.8% and upgrade it to a 6.15% fixed rate. So something that didn't have market risk, no market fees. And that, you know, in his portfolio provided him $500 a month more income. Mm. The other thing is when we did the analysis on his stock portfolio, he had a good stock portfolio in my opinion. In fact, the yield on it or the income that was generated was 2.96% yield. But if he took a smaller basket of more defined income producing strategies and added an income strategy, he could boost his yield up to 4.41%. That increase is going to increase his predictable income by another $250 a month. So you add the $500 and the $250 together, that's $750 more predictable income simply by doing that portfolio analysis. So, you know, whether it's looking at bonds, dividend paying stocks, uh, some people talk about real estate, as we had an example there. Now, there's pros and cons to real estate and or any other investment that you do. But things like you know, FDIC, insured bank CDs, those rates are up. High-yield money market funds, those rates are up. Uh, annuity rates are up. There's a lot of things that are out and available right now. And so the, the bottom line is if you want to create a powerful multiple stream of income, today's environment Gives you a lot of opportunities to be able to do so. And what you want to do is start with a portfolio analysis. Give our office a call. We'll slice and dice numbers. And as Chaz points out, all roads lead to income. And there could be some ways to boost your income right now in today's environment.
0: Now, let's start with uh, with giving a call 419-794-3030. As Chaz says, you know, you spent your entire career working for your money. Now it's time to make your money work for you. Looking at multiple streams of income, some that may not necessarily be tied to the market, can be a valuable way to make sure that your retirement goes the distance. So again, 419-794-3030 is the phone number. The website is ARHQ.com. Now, even though it recently passed on raising interest rates again, the VED vows to uh, continue to fight inflation. They want it down to 2%, but that last little bit, it is being stubborn. Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary, was on Fox Business recently. Here's what he said. The idea that they'll be lowering rates anytime soon, forget about it. And on top of that, either it's going to be much longer at these levels at five and a half percent
2: or more likely in December would be a 25 basis point rate hike, which is now back on the table. I think before this is all over, if inflation stays stubborn north of three, we'll get to a six percent terminal rate. And right now, the number one
0: leading attribute to deciding what happens next is inflation. It just won't go away. So, I have to ask if inflation will not go away has this changed your
2: outlook when it comes to managing retirement portfolios Chris I don't think it's necessarily changed it it's definitely put a laser focus on it and you know as as I'm you know kind of sitting in our listeners' chairs or cars um, <laughs> and I'm thinking really what's the difference between two percent and four percent I mean marginally it's not a huge difference there, but when you extrapolate that out over time the impact is is really substantial and what I'm referring to is when when we go into a financial planning engagement with our clients and we're running the numbers and as we've talked about in the past Nolan and uh, our listeners may or may not know but we run a Monte Carlo analysis it's a fancy term for a uh, a computer simulated uh, rendition or 10,000 different renditions of what your possible outcome could be in this particular scenario in your retirement scenario and it's it's really mind blowing that you know we have the ability to change all the assumptions. Inflation is a big one that we run a stress test on, meaning we we can adjust that inflation uh, figure from two to one to three to four. And what's really eye opening is the fact that when you change the inflation adjustment, the the input there from two to four percent, even one percent increase, you take it from two to three. What was a previously uh, a really high probability of success, meaning we give our clients a, a percentage, uh, let's say 90% to show that, yeah, 90% of the trials in this analysis that we ran, it showed you guys as having money left over at the end of your life. When you increase it by 1%, it immediately moves the needle almost effectively to like 30, You know, in some cases even lower. And so you, know, you wouldn't think about that uh, intuitively, because it's only two percent, but two percent on top of two percent on top of two percent for the next thirty years really can become a problem. And so it makes sense when the the Federal Reserve is is uh, been so aggressive at fighting inflation to the to the tune of um, you know in some cases a five hundred percent increase in interest rates, causing um, you know, the a, a lot of the twenty twenty two market correction. Um, many people feel as though that was part of the reason why we had those bank failures earlier in the year. You know, they they put a lot of effort and time and risk into, you know, making sure that inflation is kind of subsided. And, you know, I for the most part I think it's working. I, I think that the Fed has done a pretty good job of having this soft landing. But the takeaway here is that um they may not have a choice. You know, inflation. Uh, that's just one very blunt tool—the inflation um, component that the Federal Reserve has, the, the, the interest rate component that they have to fight inflation. But there are other other factors that can still cause inflation to to you know run out of uh, you know, out of control. And so, if you don't know exactly what the impact of even just a one percent increase on the assumptions for inflation is on your financial plan, you really do need. To have somebody you know take a look at it have one of the advisors here at america's retirement headquarters run that inflation adjustment uh run that stress test to give you an indication of okay what do i need to do most importantly uh to offset the risk of inflation because there are a lot of things that we can do um one of them i'll, I'll just briefly mention is your social security decision a lot of people think about social security the majority of the people think of it as just as a monthly income but what you really are getting with Social Security is a cost of living adjustment that pretty much keeps up with if there's any measurable inflation through the CPI, you're going to get an increase. Um, so that's one of the ways that we can help you offset the risk of inflation is making sure that you max out your Social Security because it is one of the few benefits that you get a you know cost of living adjustment if there's any measurable inflation. And you get an 8% increase every year by waiting, and it's the most tax-efficient vehicle uh, income that we know of, um, so that's something that we can definitely help take a look at.
1: A lot of people listening to the show have some type of financial plan put in place. You know, whether it's working with a financial professional, whether it's an old plan that you got from work. What we're talking about here is specifically stress testing your current plan on how inflation is going to impact it. I think um, actually our government has done an absolute horrible job recently <laughs> with uh, controlling the economy. And not so much the Federal Reserve, because they had to raise interest rates yes. to combat inflation, but the problem is is they're not the ones spending them. they're not the ones spending that's the real issue here is the fact that you know right now, uh, even as of last month, we're spending more now on our interest debt than we do on our national defense spending. Our debt is continuing to get out of control, which means this inflation problem could be a problem that lasted a long time because there's only so much you know, they can do at the Federal Reserve with changing interest rates. Going back to showing an example, John, who we spoke about in an earlier segment, you know, what we had talked about with with his $360,000, if he takes out $2,200 a month, you know, at the age 70, uh, using inflation at 2%, he has about an 88% probability of success of having enough money to last the rest of his lifetime, you know, a 90% probability of success. When I go in and I change that number and I change it from 2% inflation to 4% inflation, his probability of success drops to 56%. Wow. It literally becomes a coin toss. And the challenge here is I think most listeners have not stress test the impact of what inflation's gonna do. So what this means to me is the you know inflation's, you know, decisions on managing portfolios, it further reinforces the fact that That our strategy called the independent income system is a strategy that's designed to weather the long term to address today's current environment. In fact, I know we're coming up on a break, so I would encourage you to take a minute, just Google independent income system. Or in addition to that, pick up the phone, give us a call and let us stress test a portfolio because it could be, you know, 10 or 15 years before the eroding impact of that inflation derails your retirement. But wouldn't you want to know now? And that's exactly what that analysis can tell you is what it know and, and give you a chance to do something about it.
0: Because it's one thing to know that there inflation is always going to be a factor. Taxation is going to be a factor. The markets are going to fluctuate. But to figure out how it's going to work uh, for you or against you, that is where having that stress test done, having a plan customized for you really comes into play. And that is what the team at America's Retirement Headquarters can help you out with. All you need to do to take charge, give a call 419-794-3030. Guys, a recent article from the Wall Street Journal echoes what we've all seen recently, the 60-40 portfolio mix. It's, well, it's failing, and it's not just because of the riskier side of the portfolio. Both bonds and stocks have taken serious hits as of late. Uh, As interest rates continue to hold fast heading into 2024, should retirees and pre-retirees look at different investment blend, whether it be a percentage or the actual investments within?
1: It is. I think this is an, an interesting environment that you have to navigate, and there's actually some really good things about today's environment uh, versus in the past. You know, the term sixty forty has been something that's been around for a long time, and when you think about the term sixty forty, what that generally means is you have sixty percent of your money allocated towards uh, equities, and then you have forty percent of the money allocated towards fixed income, and we'll oftentimes we'll see this in like a four hundred one k. So it's been very common and popular in the last 10 years that a lot of investors have gotten more involved into what is called a target date fund. So if you had like a target date retirement fund, or call it a target 2025, what that means is that fund is going to allocate more towards fixed income and less towards equities as you get closer to that retirement date. And in the world of 401ks or you know Wall Street terms, fixed income means bonds. The challenges we've been presenting on the radio show for the last couple of years is bonds have an interest rate risk. In fact, if we look at things like the aggregate bond index, use symbol AGG, you know, as the data that's recording, the aggregate bond index is really flat this year. You know, so somebody could have 50 or 60 percent of their portfolio that's basically done nothing this year. While at the same time, as our previous segment pointed out, we have inflation running at, you know, seven, eight, nine percent. You have you know, the cost of dining out up 40% this year, you have the cost of automobiles or food at the grocery store, you know, things are getting more expensive. So when you have a big part of your portfolio that's not working for you, you're going backwards slowly. So the reasons why you want to look at things in a different perspective, it's not to say that 60-40 is not a bad concept. In fact, it could be a good concept. I believe in the fact of as you get older, you should be safer and simpler with your money. But the reality is, is because of how high interest rates are right now, you can replace some of the bond component of the portfolio, which is the riskier part, to things that are not interest sensitive. So you could have uh, a high interest money market fund. And so as interest rates go up, the money market fund rates would go up. You could have things like an FDIC insured, and you could have that CD that would pay a fixed rate of interest for a set period of time. You can have a fixed annuity that would pay a fixed rate of return for a set period of time. You know, I like replacing some of those riskier assets in the, the fixed income part right now and developing what is called a ladder portfolio. You know, Having some money that's available for liquidity needs, things that you might need to cover living expenses over the next 6 to 12 months, laddering out a portfolio for two to five years. And so if interest rates continue to go up, you can ladder into higher interest rates, but not be in investments that are subject to risk if interest rates go up. You know, when you're looking at the equity side, the article here in in the Wall Street Journal, it's your set it and forget it, 401k made you rich no more article. It also talks about the fact of how stocks are in, you know, one of the most expensive times and valuations that they've been in, and you know they've produced real annual returns, according to this article, during the following decade of just 2.7%. In fact, if you look at the Nobel Prize winning strategy of Dr. Robert Schiller and this Schiller P.E. ratio, right now the P.E. ratio of the S&P 500 index is 29.5, which is almost equal to where it was at, Before the crash of 1929. So, on the equity side, I also think that you need to be really smart and intelligent what you own and know the reasons what you own. I love the philosophy of Warren Buffett here. You know, we want to look towards owning cash rich, low debt, you know, highly profitable companies that have a competitive advantage in this marketplace, as I'd say, how you want to have a sniper shot of approach. So, again, the 60 40, at least in my opinion, Jazz isn't necessarily dead. It's just a matter, again, knowing what that means to your portfolio and how to take a sniper shot approach and maximize where there's opportunities in this environment.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. I I think there definitely is a place in everybody's portfolio for something conservative and something fixed so that you can kind of build. It's almost like building a car. You need a chassis. You need some sort of reliability, uh, some, some bit of comfort. But to Chris's point earlier, uh, bonds have just been uh, decimated over the last couple of years. And primarily it's because, in my opinion, of the rise in interest rates. And so if I'm, as I'm counseling with clients, um, you know that is definitely something that we're reducing your exposure to is bonds in general. And um, in exchange for money markets and other fixed investments, we have some options that don't have any interest rate and risk. Because the bigger issue that I see, Nolan is the treasury. We've talked about it, uh ad nauseum. We've screamed it from the ceilings that the the, the US Treasury uh there's a there's a ton of debt that the government is going to have to reissue. In fact, according to the US Treasury Department, the total amount of debt, marketable debt securities or treasuries as of the end of September 2023 is about 24.2 trillion dollars and of which almost $9 trillion of it is coming due within the next 12 months. And so if you think about in any securities market, if I have a lot of it, and when we say reissue, that means this bond, the bonds are coming due. The government to finance, the, the treasury to finance the government needs to have us as Americans and, and, and participants in the global bond market buy that debt. They need, they need our money to be able to finance. So they're issuing debt. Well, like any other market, if you have a ton of something and you dump it all on the market at once, it's going to really drop the price and because there's just so much supply of it. And so the government, it's like doing surgery. And I think, you know, last week's market rally was it was a, was a result of, you know, watching how uh, intricately of a, of a dance in a tightrope act that they have to, to deal with to try to, you know, issue enough debt to the market to not dump a ton of supply, choose where along that interest rate continuum they need to issue. Is it short? Is it long? It's a very difficult um, tightrope act that the federal reserve is, is walking right now. And so they did it very deftly and, and they were positive and, and, and that signaled that, you know, to the market that, okay, you're, you're not going to dump a ton of treasury debt on us. Um, and so interest rates went down a little bit, uh, but in my opinion, bonds are going to be underwater for quite some time as this trillions and trillions of dollars in treasury debt keeps hitting the market. And as we buy, you know, whenever there's a lot of something, it's just going to drop the price. So I wouldn't be owning a ton of bonds. If anything, you know, the shorter duration bonds to me seem like a better fit. Uh, although on at some point, interest rates will go back down. So there is going to be a market, you know, to lock in these great rates. So like you were saying, there's, there's opportunity and then there's risk in everything. Uh, for savers, it's a great time to be locking in some pretty good longer-term interest rates. Uh, but for borrowers, mortgage rates, um, you, you know, it's just going to be a very difficult time to be a bond owner. So no, the traditional 60-40 portfolio, as most investors know it, 60% stock, 40% bond, is not where I would want to be right now. The team at America's
0: Retirement Headquarters can find what works best for you and how to revitalize that uh, retirement strategy that you've got. That second opinion all starts with a phone call, 419-794-3030, the website, arhq.com. Here we are at the time of this recording in November. That means Thanksgiving's around the corner. It is the time for family recipes, and a new poll by Bob Evans found that 71% of Americans have at least one family recipe that was passed down to them from parents grandparents and great grandparents said generational uh, you know that knowledge uh just as family recipes can go from one generation to the next financial assets also uh, often do the same thing passed down to heirs how can you help with that so that this transfer goes smoothly
1: well you know you th- think about family recipes i'd say my favorite recipe that was passed down from grandma is a secret recipe it's made with rye bread spicy meat and cheeses, so it's something I'll probably make for the holidays coming up here before too long, and uh, it's one that's been passed down from generation to generation, too. I don't know, any uh, family recipes on your side? Um, My mom
2: makes this Waldorf salad. She thinks that I like it, but (laughs) I've never liked it, but Mom, hope you're not listening. But... uh, you know, we'll probably see some of that at the table, and uh, I'll be forced to eat it. But.
0: I think it's a sign well, of love know, just like, that you're still <laughs> you're still doing it anyway. You're still
1: eating yep. it. Yep, begrudgingly, choke it down. How about you, Chris? Any good family recipes? Uh, you know, in a
0: similar sort of situation, my parents, first generation immigrants, so Thanksgiving is kind of something they did on their own. Didn't really perfect it. My mom does make a great uh, sweet potato uh, casserole that I do love every single year, and that is one that uh, I, I've tried on my own. Still can't quite get it right.
1: You know, just like you know, family recipes, they can kind of go you know, from one generation to the other. Financial assets, as you point out, are often, you know, passed down as well. The the challenge is, is, you know, when you're looking at transferring family assets smoothly, it's not as easy as just handing over that uh, postcard that uh, you have on what your recipe is. You know, oftentimes there's a lot of blowups that happen and people, you know, uh, you see families get destroyed over that passing down of the, the legacy. In addition to that, some of the times that the legacy moves smoothly, you know, if you look at the stats that are out there, a lot of times that next generation will spend those assets, you know, pretty quickly. So it takes even more care and comfort than a recipe, I think, to get it right. To me, it starts first and foremost by having a comprehensive and clear financial plan. I mean. I'm no different in this situation. You know, my parents got divorced when I was in um, middle school and my parents got remarried and, you know, it was at a young age um, when I was just really in my early 20s that my dad unfortunately had a heart attack and passed away. You know, he was on his second marriage, but at 49, probably didn't give it a whole lot of thought to it, didn't have clear wishes and a comprehensive estate plan put in place. And I think, you know, that created some conflict within the family, you know, when you're looking at your situation, I think one of the things that I would urge you to do is make sure that you have a comprehensive estate plan in place. That could be a will, that could be your power of attorney, your healthcare directives. You know, if you have any special items, I think those are important to list those out. Um, I wear my dad's wedding ring still to this day as my wedding ring. You know, so those special items that you have, make sure, you know, in transferring family assets smoothly, you, you identify what those are. Um, sometimes you want to consider having trust. I get a lot of the times people ask me questions about that. And first of all, I would say uh we're not attorneys. You should always seek the advice of an attorney before you make you know legal decisions. You know, sometimes there's reasons to have trust, and sometimes you don't need them. Uh a trust, generally speaking, is designed to avoid probate. So things like keeping your house out of the probate system and probate is a process to get your house from your name to somebody else's name. You know, here in Lucas County, it's very costly. Um, It can be uh, something of a time delay, and a trust can be something that helps keep it private. So people like it because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a trust because I still have younger children. God forbid something happens to my wife and I at the same time, you know, we've set some parameters in place to help them with the management of those assets while they're young. Uh, Life insurance, uh, annual gifting, you know, retirement accounts and how to structure, you know, who gets the retirement accounts. If charities are important, sometimes it's better off to leave some of the retirement accounts versus uh, life insurance to an individual. And that can help with the minimizing of taxation, making sure that more money uh, go over. But going back to what I said, that open communication is what we have. And having that open communication, I think can solve a big part of it. The thing that we've put together here is the ultimate guide to the estate planning checklist. So we have this ultimate guide for the estate planning checklist and what we can do is we can take our combined years of experience of, you know, going through families and walk you through a process that can help you identify, you know, here's potential issues, talk about how to make sure you have properly named beneficiaries, how do you even get things set up like a prepaid funeral arrangement? So if you're worried about transferring your family assets, make sure you get a hold of us. Get a copy of the Ultimate Estate Planning Guide. We can walk you through that. And Chaz, you run into the same thing, I'm sure, with clients and that, you know, losing mom or dad or losing even a spouse or, God forbid, a, a child. I mean, that's a tragic experience and it is difficult in helping families transition in that time frame, You know, what would be some of the tips that you give when you're talking with people? Some of the tips that I would give, Nolan,
2: would really come down to um, just making it easy on the beneficiaries. And I can think of an example. There's a couple of examples that we're still working on. Um, if you have beneficiaries, uh, you know, if you have... I don't know, five to ten different beneficiaries on an account. you know and the and the concept is it's not just sufficient enough to have a beneficiary, in my opinion, because this particular client had eleven different beneficiaries, um, grandchildren, some of which are actually minors. Each person got, you know, a certain percentage. And so trying to one have expect one person to coordinate that estate, is already difficult um kids grandkids are out of state in different you know locations of the world Um, so that's a a real challenge and then on top of that you know having somebody handle that like your executor or your state that of your state that um maybe isn't a financial advisor maybe isn't doesn't understand all the nuances or how to open up an inherited ira account Um, you know i'm not like you said an attorney Uh, We don't give legal advice, but in my opinion, uh, having a trust, if you have, again, beneficiaries that are minors, uh, beneficiaries that are numerous, you know, five to ten different kids or grandkids that you want to leave, really take some time and talk to an attorney about having a trust because it could really simplify your lives, um, your beneficiaries' lives you know, particularly the executor of whoever of that estate because it's ultimately their responsibility not only for coordinating the payout of the estate so you know all the beneficiaries are kind of looking to this one person they want in this you know in, in a situation maybe they want their money and in most cases you can't receive your inheritance until all the other beneficiaries have Include you know have sent in their beneficiary request, So it's kind of like we're all on hold waiting for this one, you know child to this dragging their feet to fill out an application and It's all on that one person so that that begets fighting amongst your children, which is absolutely what you don't want to do The other uh, advice that I would give is that again if you are planning on leaving um, as a beneficiary a minor um, just know that that minor obviously cannot inherit those funds the parents in many cases will um, be the custodian of, of that minor account so really they are the person that's responsible for doing you know whatever they want with the money it's ultimately the child's but the, the custodian is the person that's going to be taking care of the account and managing it and if you don't have, if the parents don't have actual guardianship paperwork to show that not only are they the parent yes you have uh, birth certificate, but are you financially and, and you know, uh, resp- are you responsible enough to handle that sort of um, that, that money? Uh, generally, some custodians may even ask for guardianship. So it's just not as simple as putting PODs or TODs on everything. It's good. It's certainly better than not having it, mm-hmm. but take some time, take the next step, talk to an advisor, we'll direct you in the right direction and talk to an attorney potentially about a trust to make it more simple. And that's where the ultimate estate planning
0: uh, checklist comes into play to make sure that all the T's are across, all the I's are dotted so that, you know, that already emotional time, the loss of a loved one isn't burdened by further, uh, you know, familial strains or what do we do now or where was this or that. Uh, It's something that can be provided to you. All you have to do is give a call and ask for it. 419-794-3030. Be happy to to get that in your hands. Take care of this and any of your other retirement questions you might have. 419-794-3030 on the website, ARHQ.com. Now, it's something that I think everybody wants to avoid, but it has happened on many, many an occasion. What if your planned retirement date happens when we're in the middle of a falling stock market? Should you retire? Should you wait? A new uh, smart asset study answered that question by looking at two investors, Dan and Stan. Both of them had a million dollars with a 50-50 mix of stocks and bonds and a goal of withdrawing 4%. Dan retired. Stan decided to wait until the market bounced back. If we use the 2001 bear market as an example, here's what happened to them. Dan's $1 million went down to 833000 Stan, while well, he waited a year, he had $1.3 million. Now, we always say you can't time the market, but it appears you can time your retirement. Does this factor in? Is this a consideration in some of your client meetings?
1: Well, I think that is a good example. And I think you know the takeaway here is for folks that are looking to retire in the next five years, don't be in Dan or Stan situation. So, you know, what happened there is, you know, Dan retired, Stan waited, Stan probably didn't want to wait to retire, but, you know, luckily he did because he let the market bounce back. So the important thing is, is they, you know, if you're within five years of retirement time, you need to be taking the steps now to be in a situation so you don't have your retirement subject to the lottery of the returns of the stock market, because, the risk facing Dan and Stan are, are real risk for people that have their money within the stock and bond market. And that's what's called the sequence of return risk. You know, if they move into retirement time and, are, you know, the market falls right away. I mean, heck what, what would happen if that, you know, drawdown in the market was a year after Stan retired in this case, he hadn't retired. So he had the luxury to stay on and, And wait till the market came back. But what happened if Stan had his money in the stock and bond market and then the first year of moving into retirement, the crash happened, you know, it's already too late. So what you want to do is you want to get prepared for that ahead of time. If you're within five years from retirement time, I would encourage you to go on Google, type in independent income system and the independent income system is going to walk you through to how to get ready for retirement time using our strategy here of making sure you have money set aside for different time frames. Because the near term is is if there's a risk in retirement uh, in the first five years of you retiring and you're forced to sell off your investments at a temporary loss, that sequence of return risk can really get you upside down in a big, big hurry. Um and in this case, you know, I think Stan probably made the right decision, you know, with his portfolio was down. He decided to wait it out and let the market bounce back uh, versus in the other situation where maybe the risk for Dan is outliving his money because he had that big loss early on. I don't know. What would you say, you know, when you look at those two scenarios? I would say – uh Dan was it? Uh, I guess the one that later.
2: It kind of reminds me of. Remember the Dan and Dave, the uh, (laughs) the Olympians, you know, back in the day. Oh yeah. Um, But I I think um, he was fortunate, you know, enough to be able to do that. But sometimes, if it's through a health issue, or maybe you have to take off work to care for a loved one, you don't have the luxury of, you know, not retiring and sticking around. Or maybe you're let go and. You know unfortunately, maybe you, you know you're you're kind of locked out of the market because of your age or getting back into the workforce. And so he was lucky to be able to um, to do that. But for clients that don't have that ability, um, I would say you're going to have to have a plan b. and And we always talk about um, you know, we can't control the market, but we have a plan for it. And so that's why it's so important that, you know, you you work with a financial advisor, particularly, uh, you know, I'm obviously biased because I work here and we've helped develop the independent income system, but having multiple buckets of money that we could draw on in any circumstance. So we've got our emergency savings, you know, then we've got our medium-term bucket, our longer-term reliable income bucket, and then we've got our longer-term and and, and ultra-long-term, if you will, bucket of money. And so the concept there is that If we run into uh, a situation where we don't have the luxury, the market's down. Well, all of our money's not going to be in the market. You know, we've got something that's I call it tethered to the mountain. You know, imagine climbing a mountain, that foot slips. You don't have anything locked in. You know, you're not actually tethered to the the mountain. I know you climb mountains, Nolan. And um, the beauty of being, uh, of having—is that called a tether? You're basically like locked in the mountain you can control how far you're willing to fall. And I think that's absolutely crucial to early retirees that you control, if at all, how far you're willing to fall. And so we have a dollar amount, maybe it's a money market, maybe it's a savings uh, to get us through the market correction where we have a bucket of money that we can draw on that we know isn't going to be exposed to losses. And we have enough money there for two or three years You know, looking at the averages on market corrections, we talked about it earlier in the show, market correction lasts no more than six months, uh, maybe a a year uh, on average. In some cases, very, very few times, I think two or three times in history, were there back-to-back negative years in the stock market. So based on past history, we know that if we have two or three years' worth of income set aside in something that's not going to lose – We can pretty much weather every storm. So I would say that's the importance of having a diversified portfolio and working with a financial advisor to make sure your buckets are filled appropriately and that you have a plan in case the market does come down right before retirement, because you may not have a choice. You may be sick. You may just be tired. Maybe you're sick and tired. (laughs) I don't know. But um, you may not have a choice. The other thing that I would just mention to um, retirees is that age matters. So our industry is rife with, with a lot of uh, important dates that are based on your age, 59 and a half. So if you're thinking about retiring, and you're not 59 and a half, you know you could be subjected to some penalties. Uh, however, there are some rules. The, the uh, 55 and in, in separation of service rule allows you to retire early um, and not see that penalty, the 10% you know, uh, withdrawal penalty for accessing your retirement accounts prior to 59 So it's never really too early to get uh, to get started and serious about your retirement. It's
0: certainly, uh, it, it's never too late. There just may be a little bit more work that needs to be done, but it all starts with a phone call to the team at America's Retirement Headquarters. Figure out where you stand, where you need to get. 419-794-3030 is the phone number. The website, arhq.com. want to thank you so much for joining us today. As we always do, really do appreciate it. One more time, I want to reiterate Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Uh, Nolan, Happy Veterans Day to you. Uh, thank you so much for your service. And as we wrap up, I want to leave you with the final word.
1: Yeah, again, happy Veterans Day, everybody. Here's a great quote, freedom is never free. So thanks for tuning in this week, folks. Uh, Just remember, when you think retirement, think America's Retirement Headquarters. It's home to the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates.
0: for advice concerning your particular circumstance. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker. Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.